Welcome to iRun Radio. Coming up, an elite speed skater discovers a love of running. I think the most interesting kind of switch has been I spent so much of my life on a stopwatch, on a heart rate monitor, worrying about pace and heart rates and everything that goes along with it. And now I'm totally the person that literally just puts on running shoes and goes for a run. I don't wear a watch. I don't know how fast or how slow I'm going. And and that's the part of it that would add stress for me because I did it for so long and it was so important. So I'm out there and some days I'm, I'm running super slow, but I do 20K and some days I find a steep hill that's close to where I am and I'm out there doing intervals for no apparent reason. So it, uh, it, it's been a journey and it continues to be one. A competitive runner develops a love of writing. The reason I started writing was because I was running. Like I think the first writing that I actually did was with a running blog. Um, and this was way before my fourth year at X. I think I started it like a little bit in grade 12. And uh, running kind of gave me a, something to talk about for those years in university. And then that kind of snowballed into writing for platforms uh, that, that covered running, which... You know, I really like, and people got to, to see my writing a bit more, which was encouraging, motivating. And, uh, yeah, now I'm in journalism school. And a chance to revive an Olympic dream. Oh, man, it's it's going to be a crazy experience. Um, really surreal to think that I that I had, because I really honestly had moved on from my Olympic dream in 2012. I, in 2004, I was really hoping I'd still make um, a weight in 2012. I had kind of planned that, so much for that plan. Um, but if I if I knew if I put myself back in my 24 25 year old shoes and thought that in 15 years from now at 40 which when you're 25 sounds like you're really old um, that I'd be a, a Canadian record holder in the marathon going to the Olympics I definitely would have thought that was um, an April Fool's joke on this edition of I Run Radio we'll talk to Olympic speed skater Brittany Schusler, who is now an avid runner also, author Alex Sear, who chronicled his experiences on the St. FX University track team in a book. And Melindy Elmore, who just set a new Canadian record in the marathon and is on her way back to the Olympics after 16 years. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of IRUN, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you this week? I'm sore and I'm tired. You're sore and you're tired from running <laughs> yeah. or from other things? Yeah. Well, running does it to you. Running yeah. in the cold, the sport has officially changed, and it's no longer about, like, it's just, these workouts are, are not to, you know, increase my 1K split or any of that. I'm literally struggling to complete the reps, and actually running home from the workout is like a little workout in its own. I, running to the workout and running home for the workout, you know, in the summertime, something like that, I know I complain about this all the time, but we've really turned a corner now where the running has become something else. It's yeah. no longer purely exercise. Sure. Yeah, so you're talking about how if if you've got a track workout or you're going running with a group of people and you're going to do a particular prescribed workout on a Tuesday evening, uh, if it's spring, summer, or fall, you you might run the 2 or 3K to the workout, do the workout, run home again, and you'd look forward to the, the run yeah. there and the run back. The workout sure. might be tough, but, you know, you'd, you'd get that extra running in on either side of it, enjoy the, the atmosphere, yeah. you know, and in the winter, <laughs> yeah, not so much, right? 
uh, more of a chore. Understanding what I'm talking. I yeah. mean, you don't need a. I mean, a watch. My watch, <clears throat> and I, I've run through the whole thing. Maybe I've let it go a little bit, but I've, I've remained relatively consistent. But the notion of a watch. This was on, on, on Wednesday's workout in particular, where it was just, uh, you know, it, 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 it just becomes this whole other thing. Which I think, I hope that maybe there's a reason for it, and it goes beyond. You know, or maybe this will help in the marathon when you lose, you know, when you hit the wall or something and it requires something to, to, to carry you. Maybe yeah. now we're working on grit as opposed to working on, you know, pure, pure speed. I like to think of it as character building, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah. you know, what I, I find amazing is, yeah, I, you know, and one of these years it's, it's, uh, it's going to be evidence that I'm getting older and nothing else. But I find that I run a lot slower in the winter, right? You're, you're wearing a lot more oh, clothes. You're, you I, know, the footing isn't as good. And then, and then all of a sudden it's spring and you go out for a run and you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm firing on all cylinders now. I'm, I'm flying through the air because you're not worrying about the footing. You know, you're getting lots of grip on the road. And and you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, yeah, this is this is what running's all about. Anybody listening to this show right now who has maintained their workouts and remains running outdoors in the winter, this one is for you. Because or, or let it be said, if you're like, wow, you know, this is just not so. I'm not loving this like I used to. Like, well, listen, yeah. neither am I. It's it's yeah. black. It's freezing cold. You know, it's just like it's. Uh, it this is this is really the bit where it uh, puts hair in your chest. Yeah, but here's the thing: I, as much as I don't love the running itself in the winter, and I don't love the winter, I love the fact that I'm doing it right. And yeah. and yeah. I, you know, I like and I, you know, and we've talked about it before. I run a lot more often on a treadmill now than I used to in the winter. Uh, you go back three years, I would have been doing 100% of my running outside, uh, but. Uh, even so, the fact that I still get out and, you know, last weekend I did a 26K run outside in yeah. the cold yeah. on a partic- yeah. not particularly nice day. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad I did that. I'm, I'm glad I went out there and did it and then I came home and, and when it was over, I could say, yeah, I, I didn't chicken out of that. I went, th- went ahead with it. I got it done, you know. So... I do think it is character building. I was joking partly when I said that earlier, but I think there is an element of truth to that. I mean, there is, and I I know people that uh, there's this one elite runner in particular, and he said that, you know, when I asked him why he wasn't going to Kenyan, like many many of his peers do, you know, try to escape for three weeks or something in the buildup during the winter to go, and he said it's his advantage that he stays here and he stays right in the wind and the cold, and that that will help him more than... uh, training and altitude. I don't know. All I know is this particularly, that there is nothing I can do in the gym to replicate the feeling. I'll never work as hard in the gym as I work uh, doing speed exercises on a Wednesday night with my group in the freezing cold. Yeah. No amount of bench pressing or anything like that can, <laughs> can, can come close, you know? Yeah. And having said all of that, the next time we speak, I'll be talking to you from California. And so I am, I am at least for a couple of weeks bailing on the the uh, on on loving the winter workouts and yeah. and going to a better climate uh, just for a little bit of fun and a marathon. Good for you. Yeah. Good for oh, okay, okay, okay. And now you're gonna so are you gonna run on the beach? What's the plan out there? 
uh, I don't know. I'll run wherever I can, you know. I'll, yeah, I'll take whatever yeah. I can get um, yeah. and and uh, discover new places and do all of that fun stuff we've talked about so many times about being in a new place and, and exploring and running and seeing the world and uh, and trying out a new marathon. So lots to talk about on that front in the weeks to come. Ben, thank you so much for sharing this week and uh, get back out there, okay? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. I will. Always do. Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, Olympic speed skater Brittany Schusler's new love of running. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Brittany Schusler competed for Canada at the Olympics in speed skating. Now she is a mom and a runner, and she also works with SportCheck on their annual Mother's Day run, walk, and ride in Calgary. Brittany, welcome to I Run Radio. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is my first podcast ever. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, well, I hope it's a good experience for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm that, on it. Just like any race, uh, the first time you do a certain distance, it's your personal best, then this will be your personal best podcast, at least for now. I like that mindset. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so tell me a little bit about uh, how you took up running after your career as a speed skater. Yeah, I mean... To be totally honest, I in my mind, I've never taken up running. It just it, it fell onto me or I fell into it. So I, uh, I spent my whole life being a, a long track speed skater. And actually, speed skaters do a ton of cycling as cross training, but not a lot of running. You're, you're kind of muscular and heavy and not really, really built for that impact. And then when I retired from skating in 2014, I just, I found that I was, tired of the bike and I still wanted to be fit but I wanted to do something that I I didn't usually do and I also um I found I had a lot of time constraints so it seemed easy and efficient and new to just throw on my runners and and get outside and um that's kind of turned into me running five or six days a week so um I've done a I've done a few races and I'm lucky to lead the the sport check mother's day race so I I mean I guess I'm a runner (laughs) I guess you are. That's great. Five or six times a week. Uh, that certainly qualifies you uh, with room to spare. Uh, so what is it you enjoy about running? You know what? For me, the biggest things are getting outside. So I'm I'm not a treadmill runner. I'm, I'm the person that when it's minus 10, I'm still bundling up and heading outside because I find that I need the fresh air and I need the change of scenery. Um, and the other thing is, I find it really helps me think clearly and get rid of kind of anxiety and stress. So I know from from past uh, life as an athlete that uh, when I start to get stressed and, and I'm tired or I'm worked up about something, if I can just get some exercise and get that adrenaline going, things will, things will be better when I'm done. So kind of during my work day sometimes when I, I get to that point where I'm ready to crack, that's the moment I grab my gym bag and I... I could rip out of there for a quick run. Right on. And what about the racing aspect of it? Have you participated in a lot of events? 
I haven't participated in a lot of events, but I've done a few and I'm starting to get more into it. So I, um, I came out of my, my skating career, obviously having raced every weekend for what seems like my whole life. And I, I wasn't really into the idea of racing and competing, but obviously you can't, you can't get away from your, your true personality for too long. So, um, after I had my son in 2015, I ran a, about a year later, I ran a half marathon and I started doing more like local, um, trail races. So, um, heading out to Canmore here in Alberta, I'm doing a race in Fernie this summer already. Um, and just doing like kind of mid range, I guess, uh, trail races has really been what I've, I've kind of fallen in love with. So like, 10 or 15 or 20k kind of out in the forest where there's lots of people around but it it seems like it's just you um seems to be what makes me happiest so i I kind of seek out these kind of niche races and get out there and do it when i can sounds great uh sounds like a lot of fun and you mentioned something there that i was going to ask you about and that is the transition you make as an elite athlete in one sport to participating in another sport and how you sort of find that balance of of staying fit and having a great experience with it but not being too competitive because you spent so much time being focused on competition and and you know getting a second off your time and and all of those kinds of things how you how you kind of make that transition because i'm sure it's not necessarily an easy one no it's it's not an easy one and I mean, I've been out of competitive sport for six years now, and I'm still navigating it, right? So I uh, I think the most interesting kind of switch has been I spent so much of my life on a stopwatch, on a heart rate monitor, worrying about pace and heart rates and everything that goes along with it. And now I'm totally the person that literally just puts on running shoes and goes for a run. I don't wear a watch. I don't know how fast or how slow I'm going. And and that's the part of it that would add stress for me because I did it for so long and it was so important. So I'm out there and some days I'm, I'm running super slow, but I do 20 K and some days I find a steep hill that's close to where I am and I'm out there doing intervals for no apparent reason. So it, uh, it, it's been a journey and it continues to be one. And I do find myself, um, I think gravitating towards not necessarily, marathons and half marathons on the road because I know that um, then I'd want to put on a watch and I'd want to know my pace and I'd want to know my time. So I'm more interested at this point in doing events that for me, it's just an accomplishment or it's just satisfying to be out there doing it and know that I finished it um, without having to actually be mad at myself afterwards that it wasn't as good as I as I thought I should be. Yeah, that's interesting because as you said earlier, you're still you, right? So you can't uh, let go of that, although it must be nice at times to, to finish a race and, and to participate in a race and not be worried about whether you make the podium, for example, right? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, so so far, I'm not running to try and make podiums or, or kind of break any time barriers, but definitely that competitive spirit lives inside of me and I can't get rid of it no matter what I do. So I, uh, I actually signed up for an event this year that that's more of a ultra style, see how many loops you can do kind of situation. So uh, that that might be the breaking point for when, <laughs> when I push my running limit. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking signing up for that, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun for me and it's 
it's a way to some days be competitive when I want to be, but more than that, just exercise. Some days get away from my kids for a little while and uh, clear, clear my head and just be happy that I'm, that I'm out in nature a lot of the time. So tell me a little bit about the Mother's Day event. Yeah, so I've been uh, the national community manager at Sport Check Corporate for the last four years. And um, they, this run came long, long before I did. So the Sport Check Mother's Day run, Walk and Ride, has been happening for 42 years at CF Chinook Center here in Calgary. And the it's obviously got a strong um, charity component, so all the funds raised at the race are uh, split between the Calgary Health Trust NICU and uh, Canadian Tire Jumpstart Charities. So we do a lot of fundraising, but my role in this run the last couple of years has been to lead the, the project committee that steers the event. So uh, we obviously have a wonderful race director in Run Calgary who has a lot of experience under their belt. And then our team um, that I lead at SportCheck does makes the decisions on things like branding and experiences, um, package pickup, food, MCs, everything that's like making the personality of the race come to life. So uh, swag and things like that are all things that kind of we do. And then we obviously work with Ren Calgary, who's a well-oiled machine to bring the logistics of the event to life. So um, it's a, it's a great collaboration and it's, uh, like I said, a huge legacy event. So I'm I'm really honored and excited always to, to be a part of, of pulling that together. Uh, last year, we we had about 5,000 people out at our race. And, uh, you know, counting on having that many people or more again this year. And it's a really fun uh, family time. So uh, before I even was a part of this project team, I would push my kids in the chariot and, and run the 10K. But the vast majority of our uh, participants actually do the 5K, and we have a lot of people that walk the 5K as a family, um, and we have generations of families that will walk together, and then kind of we create a great dwell space after the after the run or the walk. People stay, and there's a kid's zone, and there's food, and all kinds of great stuff you can do, and then, you know, kind of head out to brunch afterwards and, and sell, continue to celebrate moms. So, yeah. It's a very cool and, and unique event that SportTrek loves owning. And tell me more about the, the connection between moms and running, because you're a mom, you have two kids, and and uh, you talked about, uh, you know, uh, the stress relief that comes with running. You have a busy life, like many moms. There, uh, I, I see this special connection in particular, and a lot of the, the runners we talk to uh, on the podcast are moms who are... Uh, reclaiming a part of their lives, uh, you know, trying to get in shape, uh, trying to tick off an item on their bucket list, or or just do something on their own once a week uh, or a few times a week. Yeah, you know what? I think being a mom has a lot to do with why running has kind of become my chosen activity. Um, for me, obviously, coming out of elite sport when I had my, my older child, my son, I had only been retired for about a year. And so I still had a lot of that um, drive to be super fit and to be healthy and, and just exert energy. So what I noticed right away um, was that it was easy um, to put my, to put my baby in a, in a running or a walking stroller and get outside and, and just move. 
so that really was the catalyst for me kind of choosing running was that it was the activity that it was, you know, I could have my child there, but not necessarily be holding him or listening to him cry. He would sleep in the chariot and, and it was convenient for me. So really, um, it, it was a sport of convenience at the time. And I obviously developed a love for it and got it got a a double chariot and could put both of my kids in there. And it was one of those things that it fit very well into my life. And I think for a lot of moms, that's the case. Even when I'm at work and, and I need a break, I can, I can throw on my runners and it's, it's not setting up a bike or getting into the gym and warming up and having a lot of time to prep. I can, I can kind of get out there and do it and be done with it and kind of enjoy the moment, but not be stressed that it's going to throw off the rest of my day. And obviously, I think there's a there's a huge connection that maybe all moms don't want to talk about, but about getting away from your kids for a little while. Like you said, there's there's days where you're like, I just need 15 minutes of me time. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. The way to do it is if your spouse or someone comes home, you're like, I'm running out the door, literally running out the door. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know... For for moms, you need that time, and I think there's there's a lot to be said for for self care, and there's a lot of ways to kind of have self care. But for me, running adds that extra element of I'm I'm taking care of myself, and I'm also improving my health and getting rid of anxiety. So it's it's a great uh, tool, I think, for a lot of not just moms, but dads sure. too, all all parents. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Brittany, it's great to talk to you, and uh, I wish you luck with your running and with the Mother's Day event this year. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. That's Brittany Schusler, Canadian Olympic speed skater. The Mother's Day Run, Walk, and Ride is in Calgary in May. Coming up next, how a university track athlete ended up writing a book. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world, solo or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Alex Sear competed for St. FX in track for four years. He started writing a blog about it, and that turned into a book called Runners of the Niche, A Season in the Sun, Rain, Hail, and Hell. Alex, welcome to iRun Radio. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. So tell me about your book, Runners of the Niche. How did this come about? Yeah, uh, well, it was kind of a, a, a weird story. I was going into my fourth year of undergrad at St. FX, and uh, it was my coach, Bernie Chisholm, uh, called me in his office one day. I, I was in Antigonish for the summer, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to like write some sort of blog for the team, and um, I guess just profiling like the races and workouts and stuff like that. And I said, sure, whatever, if you want, um, and just kind of uh, half-assed it for, for a couple of weeks, the first <laughs> few weeks, and uh, because I didn't really know where it was going. And then I heard from someone through the grapevine that Bernie was retiring, and I kind of put two and two together and figured, well, maybe he wants this, this blog as kind of a, a reminder of his last season of coaching, or at least one of his last seasons of coaching. So then I started applying myself a bit more to the blogs and made them longer. I, I wasn't publishing them as I went. I just kind of kept them to myself and thought we'd 
maybe put them out at, at the end of the season. But, you know, the more I wrote, the more I started writing about things that were not just about the races or the, the practices, but also like things that would happen outside. So uh, our team going to the cafeteria together or playing video games at the house. And, you know, after a couple of months, I had written so much about the season that I was like, geez, I, I can almost make this into a story, make this into a book. And then that, that kind of snowballed from there. And then I think I kind of made that realization in, in 20. So the season was 2016. So I think in 2017, by, by the indoor season, so maybe four Five months later, I came to that realization, and um, yeah, took about another year to finish it and polish it, and uh, got it published in July 2018. Just tell me a little bit about what it was like training with Bernie Chisholm, and also just the experience of being on the team at St. FX. Well, I think running varsity is just a great experience, or experiencing anything that, you know, you have a group of people with the shared experiences is important in university kind of gives it meaning I find. Um, so just being on the team was an awesome experience that I think many people can relate to. Uh, but St. Effects in particular was awesome because I wanted to stay in, I'm from PEI and I wanted to stay in Atlantic Canada. And it was a good transition for me too, because St. Effects being in Antigonish, you don't have much distraction and you just have a whole lot of open roads. So it kind of creates that like once a runner feeling where you don't have many distractions other than, you know, running. And we grew close because, you know, that's all that we had to do over there. We didn't feel like we were pulled in every which way. Um, I, you know, uh, subjectively I had an amazing experience and, and I'm really happy that I made that decision to go there and still keep in touch with the people who were on the team there and, keep in touch with, with, with my teammates. We still have a group message we talk into most days. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. And Bernie, you know, Bernie was definitely a tough love type coach. Um, he made me a lot tougher. And I think that holds true in running and also just in many other things that I undertake now. So um, I learned a lot from him, and I'm, I'm really grateful to have gotten to spend four years with him. And where has running gone for you since you left St. FX? Um, after X, I went to the University of Windsor, uh, to do a master's, uh, I tell, I tell people it was a master's in running because that was the reason I went there. And, uh, I like the sound of that. There should should be a master's in running that should be available as a program. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard, hard on the body, but, uh, good, a good use of time. I, I don't regret going there, even though it was mostly for the running. I had a good season there. I got my TDs down in the 1505 K. Um, but since then, it's, it's been a really rocky road. I got surgery in December 2018, so um, about six months after having my best season. And uh, since then, I'm still trying to find health, but it's uh, it's been difficult. It, it was my left knee, patellar tendonitis. And uh, right now, I'm up to like 30, 35K a week. And uh, the motivation is there, but it's just a game of patience for, for the bodily side of things. Yeah. So along the way, you obviously, you discovered not a, just a love of, of running, but a love of writing about running. Yeah, totally. Um, the reason I started writing was because I was running. Like I think the first writing that I actually did was with a running blog. Um, and this was way before my fourth year at X. I think I started it like a little bit in grade 12. And uh, running kind of gave me a, something to talk about for those years in university. And then that kind of snowballed into writing for platforms uh, that, that covered running, which, you know, I really like. And people got to, to see my writing a bit more, which was encouraging, motivating. And, uh, yeah, now I'm in journalism school. And 
I get to write about things that are outside of running completely, and I notice that I enjoy, it's not just the covering running that I enjoy, but it's the actual act of writing, like making stories that I like, which is good. But that being said, I still love writing about running because that's one of my areas. I guess it's my area of, my close area closest to expertise. Sure. I wouldn't say expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can say that by now. Um Tell me what running has meant for you, though, because uh, you've set some provincial records and you've competed uh, in Canadian championships and that sort of thing, uh, and and it's been a big part of your life so far. So what does running mean to you? To me, it's... Uh, I don't know if I can cover that quite, that answer in 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I think just simply, um, it's a good way for me to grow as a person and by that I mean it's my way of meeting people it's my way of gaining experience um it's a way to make sense of the world I find because what happened what you do in you know what you do on the track and the lessons that you learn running are things that you can apply um everywhere else and you know for me like I'm 24 it's given me a degree of connection that I don't think I could have gotten in any other way right now like I feel like I can go pretty much in any city in the country and have someone to go see and chat with and have a place to stay. And if it wasn't for running, I wouldn't have that. And, uh, yeah. And for the, on the sports side of things, you know, it kept me, um, striving for a goal, which I think is sometimes hard to, um, it's hard to define goals in your twenties sometimes in your late teens. Uh, sometimes you don't look at the right goals. You don't aim for the right goals. Um, and, and running always kind of kept me on a straight path in that sense. So, um, and it's something that I really hope that I can keep in my life for a long time. You know, having gotten injury, injured last year, I got to kind of see how the other side lives and people who don't do activity and just noticed that it really wasn't for me and it wasn't, you know, the days didn't feel normal. So, um, kind of got me teach me how uh, how valuable it, it is, and I hope I can keep it with me for a long time. So where do you want to take your running from here? As some people uh, get older, sometimes they take on the longer distances, even if they started out as you did running uh, the 1500 uh, and that type of distance, middle distance. Uh, does that uh, appeal to you? Would, you? would you see yourself doing longer distances? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think... Yeah, there's kind of an expiration date with the track. Um, I don't know if, if I've reached that yet. I don't know if I want to go up in distance on the roads. A lot of a lot of my teammates at St. Effects have now started in the marathon. A bunch of them did their debut in uh, in Toronto last fall, and uh, that really got me the I, I kind of got the marathon bug. And I think soon I want to move up and start with maybe focus on the 10k and the half, and then eventually the full. But to be honest, the, the what I really need to to take care of is is health first, and then I can make those decisions. I can't really I can't really decide anything until I can be fully healthy for a while, and then kind of look at that in a more realistic way. Well, it sounds great. Uh, you've got lots of uh, runway in front of you, lots of running still to do, and writing as well. Alex, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, really appreciate being on. Thanks for having me. That's Alex Sear. His book is called Runners of the Niche, A Season in the Sun, Rain, Hail, and Hell. Coming up next, the new Canadian record holder in the marathon. This winter, participate in the biggest winter multi-sport event in the world. 
solo, or in a team relay. Complete on a continuous basis the five disciplines of the pentathlon. Cycling, running, Nordic skiing, skating, and snowshoeing. Choose between 17 different challenges. There's one for you. The Pentathlon des Neiges of Quebec, presented by MEC from February 22nd to March 1st on the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City. Be part of it. Melindy Elmore competed for Canada in the 1500 meters at the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens. Now, 16 years later, it looks like she could be headed back as a marathon runner. She just set the Canadian record in the marathon a couple of weeks ago in Houston. Melindy, thank you for joining us on Iron Radio. Hi, thanks. Great to be here. And congratulations. What an accomplishment. Yeah, thanks. It was um, definitely, definitely a dream come true. So tell me about that dream and how you got into long-distance running and, and uh, your journey to this point, because I'm sure you've been reflecting on that as uh, you've hit this huge milestone. Right. I, I sort of think of this as um, a run that was 25 years in the making. So um, it's, it's been a long time coming, for sure. I, I started high school running uh, in track in the 8 and 15. Those were my main events. And that spanned uh, from about 95 to about 2012. So I ran high school track and went to Stanford to run track in the 8 and the 15 again in cross country. And then graduated and decided that I really wanted to make an Olympic team. So put all my all my uh, eggs into that basket and, and was fortunate that in 2004 I was selected to, to go to Athens for the 1500. And then in 08 and 2012 was really, really close to making both those teams in the 1500 but um long stories but they didn't they didn't pan out as quite as planned as close but no cigar and then um that was kind of version 1.0 and then hung up my spikes and moved on in life and career and family and got into a triathlon career so did long course triathlon the 70.3 and Ironman distances for a couple years and learned a ton about endurance sport and, uh, you know, new challenges and felt kind of refreshed and reinvented in my athletic pursuits. And then closed that chapter with my second child in 2018 and then decided after I had him to um, to give uh, another bucket list item, the marathon, a try and, and did my first one last year in 2019 in January at Houston. And it went super well and I loved it and I had so much fun that I decided I would take that more seriously, and then here we are a year later. What a story, and, and I'm so glad you shared the whole journey, because uh, when you were doing uh, track in high school, and when you were an Olympian as an 800-meter and 1,500-meter runner and competing internationally at that level, did you ever picture that you would be uh, on the verge of going back to the Olympics as a marathoner? Oh, no, not at all. This is very, very recently this idea sparked that, that we realized it was sort of within our reach. But I was very happy with my retirement and my pursuits um, of, you know, family work-life balance and, um, and you know, riding into the sunset into my 40th birthday, <laughs> um, which is coming up in, in less than two months. Um, but, you know, I love to run, I love to train, I love to try and get the most out of myself, and, and um, I'm fortunate that, that the pieces clicked together for this race because, you know, it, the seed was planted a few months ago when I started to see my workouts really come together and, and pointing towards this kind of performance, but a lot can happen on the day, so for it to 
to come this way on on Sunday. It's uh, it's been it's been a real real exciting thing for our family. Yeah, no kidding. And and I mean, uh, when I just sort of summarized uh, the journey for you, I left out those those key parts. I mean, uh, who who could have imagined, and and uh, least of all you, when you were twenty five, that you'd you'd have a couple of kids and be closing in on 40 when you were going back to the, uh, on the verge of going back to the Olympics as a marathon runner and, and setting a Canadian record in the process, right? That's not necessarily what you would have pictured at this time. No, I guess it's, it, it reminds oneself that you don't always have to have this pinnacle goal yeah. um, that you work towards for, for eons or for even a long time to still just through the process of trying to be your best get to where you might not have believed you could get. Yeah, I think that's a great point that it's sometimes we we sort of have this idea whether it's in running or in life that you've got to have this master plan and have the next 10 years mapped out, but uh it's really about uh taking it one step at a time and not to, you know, that's a bit of a cliche, but it's about yeah. getting to one spot and seeing how that goes and then maybe moving into the next space and seeing how that goes and before you know it you're you're on to something uh, that you're really good at and you really enjoy, and, and good things come from that, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I look back in hindsight, and all the pieces have have worked out nicely, but that, like you said, that was not a master plan. I didn't end a track career and think, okay, well, my step to becoming a good a marathoner is to deviate away from the sport for seven years in pursuit <laughs> triathlon. Yeah. Um, I just kind of followed my heart and what was inspiring to me at the time and what I thought would be a good challenge and would bring, you know, bring fulfillment. And, and uh, you know, I look back and like, oh, those were key pieces of the puzzle for sure, but it wasn't really a planned puzzle. Yeah. Now, I read a story online about you that's in which you're quoted as saying, retirement was boring. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the experience you had? Okay. So, did you miss running and competing? Um, I've been happy not running and not competing. I I don't like. I've been happy in both both phases of life, but I just got. I guess I got drawn back into running because a lot of my friends run, and it's it's a great way to stay fit and and healthy. And I like being fit and healthy. Um, And then. I, I like the challenge of doing workouts because just running all the time is kind of boring. So, yeah, it's just this evolution, really. So tell me where things stand with regard to you and the Olympics in Tokyo, because obviously now as the Canadian record holder, you have a very, very good chance of being selected to the team, but it's not official yet. Is that right? Yeah. So um, my understanding is that there's two two days where they may announce the team May 4th, which is an initial selection, and then June 4th, which is a final selection. Canada can take up to three women and three men in the marathon, but they have to have, you know, Olympic standards through the World Athletics Federation, which is 229.30, or top five in a gold label race, which Houston was, or top ten in a major world championship. So there's kind of three paths. Um and so Dana Podorsky has the Canadian guaranteed spot by winning Toronto in, in October. And now there's two spots left. And at this point, there's Rachel Cliff, Lindsay Tessie, and I, who are all selectable from performances. Um, but then Athletics Canada has the decision to to make of who they're going to fill those spots with. And, and it's quite likely that more people will qualify one way or another between now and May. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that my my time holds up well. And um, if two people go and run faster than me in the next few months, then 
wow, we're at a fabulous spot in marathoning in this country. Yeah, that is a great way to look at it. But I guess as of now, you probably feel uh, like you've, you're in a pretty strong position as the record holder in the event now for Canadian women, right? Yeah, we're, we're definitely planning my season now from now until August with the assumption that I need to prepare for Tokyo. I know it'll be Sapporo, really, but for the Olympics. And what do I need to do to put myself in a position there to actually have a really great race and not be worried about whether I'm making the team at this point? I want to be, you know, I want to compete well. I want to have the kind of race that I did um, in Houston. In, in Japan, I need to prepare for the heat. I need to prepare for the conditions and the racing against, um, you know, other top athletes in the world. What would it mean to you to go back to the Olympics 16 years after you first went? Oh, man, it's it's going to be a crazy experience. Um, really surreal to think that I that I had, because I really honestly had moved on from my Olympic dream in 2012. I, in 2004, I was really hoping I'd still make um, 08 in 2012. I had kind of planned that, so much for that plan. Um but if I if I knew if I put myself back in my 24 25 year old shoes and thought that in 15 years from now at 40, which when you're 25 sounds like you're really old, um, that I'd be a, a Canadian record holder in the marathon going to the Olympics, I definitely would have thought that was um, an April Fool's joke. <laughs> well, it's not. Uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, about to happen. Uh, tell me about the race in Houston and, and what it felt when you uh, finished the, when you completed the race, crossed the finish line, and discovered that you were the new Canadian record holder. You know, I really had a good feeling going into the race. Um, since I had to withdraw from the Toronto race in October with a, a hamstring injury, uh, since I was able to get back into running in about December, things have gone really well, and I we kind of exceeded all our benchmarks for my runs and my training. Um, and honestly, we went into this race knowing that I should run between 224 and 225. And so I wasn't shocked. It was really what what was expected, and my plan was to execute the best race I could. And um, I got into the race, and pretty early on knew I was having a really good day, and it felt really good, and it, you know, at one point, about 10K into the race, I thought, oh, I think I'm running a pace that I could run for a really, really long time. And then my, the other part of my brain said to that part of my brain that just said that, yeah, well, you've got two hours left. <laughs> yeah, and pretty, we've, we've all been in marathons way. where it feels like that at, at one point and then doesn't uh, 5K later, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just feel, felt really good and calm and, and strong the whole way, and I just kept waiting for the field to open up because we were in a pack of about 10 for most of the way, and then all of a sudden at 35K, there were three of us left. I don't even know what happened to everyone else. And then the race started, and... Um, you know, I kind of got dropped a little bit off the two women that I had been running with. We hit um, a hill and a really strong headwind, and I went for the aid station, and they didn't, and then I just kind of missed them. And so I, was, I didn't feel terrible. I just was off the pace a little bit, still running hard, but not in the same rhythm. And then with about 2K to go, I was like, okay, yeah, it's time to it's time to finish this race. And I actually had to sprint the last 200 meters to catch um, the I was in fourth to catch the third place position, and I thought when I saw the 26 mile mark, I was in fourth, so I knew I had you know two or three hundred meters to go. That you're a 1500 meter runner, you need to kick in the end of a meter race. Nice, wow! So well, I was glad I did, and then I was sort of you know after, of course, I was like, oh, why didn't I go earlier and try and catch second? Because she actually was only three seconds ahead, but she was sort of 
just out of my vision over the last couple hundred. Um, but so, I mean, it leaves you hungry, right? You want to go back and do better the next time. Well, Melindy, it's an incredible story. I want to congratulate you again on the new Canadian record, and I wish you the best of luck throughout 2020, including in Japan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. That's Melindy Elmore, the fastest Canadian woman ever in the marathon. Coming up next week on iRun Radio, we'll talk to the author of a new book on the science of running, plus a woman who is closing in on 75 marathons. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.